Hey, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. All right. Well, it is Fatina's turn this yeah. week for a case. And I know of potentially one that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So what story do we have today? So this is the, not continuation, but kind of the story embedded within the story of Mitzi Sanchez. Awesome. So if you remember, Mitzi Sanchez was the girl who miraculously escaped her own kidnapping. Mm -hmm. She escaped by uh, finding the keys to the locks that were locking her to inside of a car with a monster. And she ran till she found some help and um, she survived. So after that heroic story, and this is just a little background, just to, it, because it's a small world, right? We live in such a small world. That sometimes we forget how tangled our lives can be. And how, sometimes our crafts pass uh, for a reason. Paths so, cross. <laughs> Paths cross for a reason. What did I say wrong yesterday too? Oh, we were <laughs> driving by and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. She goes, and Kara goes, what? She goes, oh, the kids are playing with, um, what did I say? Water soakers. And oh. then I was quiet for a second and I was like, I meant water guns and super soakers. She's like, yeah, I know. I know. Yep. I put that we together. Figured- <laughs> That's so awesome. Water soakers. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's, yeah. We knew the intent of that. That's awesome. After Mitzi grew up a little bit, she was around, I believe, a a teenager, 16, 17, something around there. Don't remember specifically, but in the same area that she grew up in, there was suddenly all of this um, police presence looking for another missing girl Mm -hmm. that reminded her of her case because she was also eight years old when she went missing. Um, And no, unfortunately, you know, spoiler alert, unfortunately, the case of Sandra Contu is not a surviving story. Right. So when Sandra Contu was found... Mitzi Sanchez went into a spiral and that's when she had her life altering, almost life ending car accident. Yeah. Yeah. That sent her into a two week coma and found out she was expecting. So just life changing. But she had gotten involved in Sandra Cantu's case as far as the search efforts were concerned and just being a voice as an advocate for the eight year old that was missing. So that girl that she was helping the efforts to help find is whose case I'm going to tell you about today. Right. So Sandra Cantu, born Sandra Renee Cantu, was an eight-year-old at the time when this all happened. She was born on March 8th, 2001 in Tracy, California. She lived with her mom and grandparents in a trailer unit and I believe three other siblings as well. Her dad was not in the picture. Her dad was actually in Mexico for most of her life. And especially when this happened. 
But um, Sandra was not your typical eight-year-old. <laughs> and I say that because not all the kids are outgoing, but she definitely was. She was the type of girl who would go up and talk and talk to strangers and would make friends quickly. And it's reported that every day after school, she would go home, change clothes, and then go knock on as many kids' doors as she could to try to get them out and play. Oh, that's cute. So this trailer community, trailer park community, was made up of about 100 plus units. Okay. So lots of kids. Sure. And so it was, was probably like their own like little community. Yes, exactly. That. So that and that's exactly where I was going with that because there's such a sense of community, the kids were totally allowed to play outdoors without supervision. Sure. And that was totally normal. They would call each other out and go out and play on the streets and you know bike around and, and do whatnot. Right. So this was her routine. She would get home from school and she would ask the kids to come out and play. Her mom, Maria, just told her this time, as usual, come back by dinner time. Mm -hmm. And this is in 2009 that we're talking. So on March 27th, 2009, so a couple weeks right after her birthday, she had just turned eight years old. Sandra decided she got home from school and she decided that she wanted to go play outside. And this was around 4 p.m. Okay. And unlike every other day, it sounded like kids were not available to play that day for whatever reason. Hmm. Either they weren't home or they weren't available to play or maybe didn't want to even come out. So at 7 p.m., she, Maria... Sandra's mom sent one of her kids out to look for, for Sandra, couldn't find her. She called all the homes where she normally would be to try sure. and figure out, hey, can you send her home for dinner now? Mm -hmm. And after a couple of those calls, the moms would all tell her, I haven't seen her. She's not here. She hasn't been here. And I would Which, imagine probably by that point, she's probably getting kind of worried too, because end of yes. March, our daylight is still pretty short. I would think around 7 p.m. it would start coming down. Dark. Yeah. And I think that's why she wanted her too, right? It's getting dark. It's time for dinner. You need to be home. So at that point, she actually went out herself to go look for her. And I can't imagine that her voice was anything less than panic at some point, shouting Sandra's name over and over, hoping that she just forgot to go home or that she was out playing somewhere and they for she just forgot and lost track of time or uh, something like that. That's what she was thinking at that point. The last time that anyone saw her was her mom her family when she left the house to go play. Right. So from 4 p.m. till 8 p.m. when her mom decided, okay, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. Panic has set in. I can't find my daughter. It's been four hours. That's when she called the police to file my missing kid report. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> so the police, it's a kid missing, eight years old. It, there's no possibility of a runaway nothing of the sort so mm -hmm. obviously the alarm is raised 
were all hands on deck looking for the kid. And they followed suit with that, even with her only not being seen for four hours instead of making the mom yeah. wait. Yeah. yeah. Good. Especially because there hadn't been any contact for four hours. The police started canvassing all the trailers in the area and yeah. they were looking, they were asking anyone if they had any surveillance videos. This is 2009. So I don't Somewhat remember. Fresh. Kind of. I don't remember if like Nest cameras would have been or Ring cameras would have been a thing as common as they are now. Definitely not as common. No, because that would have been only like two years after I graduated high school. And I don't think that that was really a thing. And so unfortunately, at this point, still no word of, of Sandra anywhere to be found. So they have to put out a bulletin. They put out missing persons reports. It's on the news. She is last seen wearing a Hello Kitty shirt and some black leggings. <sighs> so police are in full force. They, I mean, they bring out everyone. They bring out search dogs, the equestrian teams. They bring out dive teams to local ponds and whatnot to see oh, if wow. they can find anything. Just because they're really close by. Um, and then that evening, Maria, the mom receives a text from one of her neighbors. She's not a next door neighbor, but in the community type of thing, she receives a text from Melissa and says, Hey, will you tell the police that I had something stolen at around 4 PM today? I don't know if it matters, but thought you should know. Worth mentioning. So... The police that evening went and made contact with Melissa and she explained to them that she had a bag taken from her like carport, like from her drive up area. Sure. And she didn't know if she could be related, but she wanted to make them aware of that in case these are in any way connected. Yeah, because I mean, even at that point, let's assume or say that they are, you could try to fingerprint or come up with something. Absolutely. So, of course, they look into her dad as well, Daniel Cantu, and he is a family a family member. Of course, he's a family member. Um, he's a family guy, but it sounds more like he's in Mexico for whatever reasons that he might need to be out of the country. Sure. Um, they had at least not seen him in over a year in the United mm. States. So they immediately were able to rule him out. As sure. it, you know, it doesn't seem like it was the other parent abduction or, you know, a custody dispute between the parents and that's he would have had any motive to take Sandra. Because they're such a small town where this all started, they immediately called the FBI. And is this still in Viejo where? um, So this is, I believe, in Tracy, California. Oh, okay. And probably just like around there but a smaller yeah, I think it's a smaller town. suburb yeah 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 so because it's such a small town they said hey you know there's not much not not much that we couldn't do but they needed some big reinforcements so they asked the FBI to help them put together a profile of who it is that they would likely be looking for in this case and the FBI came back with the profile of a white male tw- ages 25 to 40 And anyone that had a previous history of sexual assault or child pornography. 
So of course they do their due diligence and they're looking for anyone in the area that fits that profile that would have had any previous convention convictions of either of those case types of cases. They couldn't drum up too much. Um, the only thing that they come up with, and this is by talking to Sandra's aunt, so Maria's sister, is sure. that the year before, they the kids were at, I believe, the community pool mm-hmm. or a guy that works at the community pool. Um, and he's an older guy. He's in his 60s. He pulled the hair off of Sandra's case, a face and attempted to kiss her. Excuse you. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's weird. Uh, Beyond. They went and interrogated him. He owns or runs, at least runs, I believe a martial arts class nearby. Okay. They were able to rule him out that his alibi was completely called called for. The time Mm -hmm. was all accounted for. They were able to rule him out. And he said that although he did have feelings towards kids her age, he never had really acted on them. And that that event at the community pool was just an innocent embrace. Um, It's not, but okay, you can keep telling yourself that. Wow, you're telling me. I was like, oh, that's what the fuck? (laughs) I just innocently wanted to kiss an eight-year-old that I have no connection. Even if you have a connection. Even if you do. No. Yeah. It's weird to want to do that with an eight-year-old. Yeah. So someone else that the police looked into a little bit more was that a new ice cream man that had made the rounds in the trailer community that day that he seemed to be very chatty with the kids as he was giving or handing out ice cream, selling ice creams. They were able to track him down Mm -hmm. and they spoke with him and they were able to rule him out as well. Wow. So, oh, and for the man who was at the community pool, I will say he did come in, he did cooperate, and he did take a lie detector test. So, okay, all those things were put into the whole ruling him out type of thing. Well, and just thinking of the ice cream, and I feel awkward saying this because I know that we went to school with somebody who ran something kind of similar at one point, but I think that like 99% of people who drive ice cream trucks are beyond creepy. It can be. It can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Continue. (laughs) Yeah. So immediately posters get made with Sandra Cantu's, you know, face information, all the details on it. And they're being put up around town by friends and family. And I think at this point, like one day after is when Mitzi had seen one of those missing kid posters. Okay. Gotcha. And she had picked up on it and wanted to get involved at one of uh, the, the next, I believe the next evening or at least a couple evenings afterwards there was a vigil held at Sandra's house and 
you know, hundreds of people, the whole community is showing up. And because, I mean, we've seen this time and time again, that both in the movies and in real life, sometimes whoever done it will show up to these things. Oh, absolutely. Which is so weird. Mental. Yes. Yeah. They want to see their handiwork Mm -hmm. in a demented way. Yeah. So police are present during these situations, um, not only because emotions are heightened, but because of the possibility that something like that could happen and they want to make note of who's there sometimes. Yeah. So while they're, while they're at this vigil, you know, everyone's sad and I'm sure, you know, holding silence or praying. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Melissa Huckabee, the same person, the same neighbor that had texted Maria about her stolen bag. Right. Found a note on the ground, turned it over and immediately ran over towards one of the officers the note says Cantu locked in stolen suitcase thrown on Bachetti and Whitehall Road signed witness that's so okay and it's written in a manner that is meant to throw off people Mm-hmm. And I'll show the note. If it's okay. on video, I'll put it here. Yeah. But it's what it looks like. It, like someone on purpose is trying to discuss, uh, disguise their handwriting. Okay. That was going to be my question. It's weird in the way that it's written or like physically like someone who's both. right-handed. Oh, okay. Both. Not only were letters meant to be look uppercase when they're not, and and like just the appearance of it, but then they misspelled things that are simple, and a second grader could get right, like the word on. They put two N's. Oh, okay. So someone's trying to throw the scent off of this letter. Sure. Nonetheless, she runs over to the police officers and the police officers take it in and they're like, okay, this is weird, but thanks. Um, And one of the things that I was reading on this, it said that officers have to take everything that's given to them with a grain of salt. Because at this point, they didn't know whether or not this is going to be important. And she already tried to kind of insert herself into this case with the bag situation And maybe is she trying to make another last-ditch effort to throw herself in to this investigation because of the snow? So the next day... Yeah, kind of odd to pop up twice. Twice. And I get it, your neighbors... Sure. But let them come to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Don't... Yeah, you're raising too many flags. Right. So nonetheless, the officers, the detectives, they went to go check out this intersection because, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Because if they hadn't followed through, then anyway, they have you to do it. You cannot follow up Right, on they that. cannot. Yeah. Because it's very specific. It's given two roads. It's telling you what's happening and what's in the suitcase. Right. So they go check it out. And what they find is just an intersection of agricultural fields. 
and they find some like basins of water, some ponds of water, and they're all cow manure. They're all the, yeah, it's all, it's all cow shit. Sure. It's all cow shit. So they said they even took dogs with them. But unfortunately, due to the strong smell of it's all the sewage from all the cows there, yeah, that the dogs were completely useless. But totally, by just using sight, they couldn't see anything right off the bat. So now they're getting a little more curious about this Melissa character. Who is she? What's going on? And they do eventually talk to her and she tells them that on that she's a Sunday school teacher. She lives there with her grandparents and her child, who is friends with Sandra. She has, I believe, a five or six year six year old that plays with Sandra. Okay. So she's a Sunday school teacher, and she said that on that evening when Sandra went missing, she had actually gone to the Sunday school to set up some stuff for Sunday school lessons that coming weekend Mm -hmm. she also on the side did event planning and previous to that she had studied some criminology okay so I think that's where it's a fine line of being interested in what's going on kind of human nature right we've talked about that before Right. Crime is just a weird thing to be passionate about, but whatever. And it's another thing to try to insert yourself into an investigation, especially right. if you don't have to be. Exactly. So they, but they couldn't find anything suspicious about her at that point. So they let her go. A um, couple days later. So we're about 10 days now. So 10 days from that on April 6th that irrigation pond on that intersection of let me see here machete road and whitehall road was scheduled for its bi-yearly draining and cleaning oh wow okay well that's convenient super convenient yeah So the people that were scheduled to do this started doing that and they found a suitcase and it's not, it doesn't look good. It's heavy. They didn't even open it. They just called police. Yeah. And were people there aware of? Yes. It was less than two miles from home. Okay. So it was less than two miles from the community, from the trailer community. So they called the police in and they were immediately able to identify that it was Sandra inside that suitcase by oh, identifying no. her clothing. And this is so Hello sad. Kitty shirt and everything. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that Although the cops would have wanted to keep this under wraps as much as they could, they couldn't. Somewhere, somehow a media, either helicopter or something like that, got a shot of the suitcase coming off halfway of the the pond 
So it made it made headlines that evening. So there was no ace in the pocket when speaking to anyone about how right. she was found. So at this point, they went to go talk to Melissa again because unfortunately, the suitcase that she got stolen matched the suitcase they found Sandra in. Oh, it was a suitcase that she had stolen. Yes. Oh. It was an Eddie Bauer suitcase. Okay. And she had texted, I don't know exactly who she had texted this to, but after they informed her or they talked about the suitcase and Sandra being found, she said, I hope she wasn't sexually assaulted. She said that? She said that. Oh my gosh. And they went to go talk to her and she was not available. She was currently at the hospital. She had checked herself in because she had swallowed some exacto knife blades. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she claims to have been sleepwalking when she swallowed these blades the hospital could not find any evidence of this of sleepwalking of blades oh of blades okay I'm like <laughs> okay so it's just a claim but, at this I mean, point at the hospital it's just the claim right and then okay and i don't personally know anyone that sleepwalks but i mean what I do know, and it and I go become completely wrong. So if you sleepwalk, if you know someone that sleepwalks, or if you know better than I do in this case, please let me know. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, don't you normally do things that you would do in your everyday life? Like go eat the same things. Like you're into the routines. That's normally what you do. Get in your car and drive. Sure. Because that's what you normally do, you know? Um the only thing, the only thing I can think of that debunks that for me is the scene in Step Brothers, where both of the brothers sleepwalk and like put the couch cushions in the freezer or his mom's in the oven. freezer and the couch yep. cushions in the oven. So, yep. um, yeah, I mean, I think that you would still do normal like day to day things, but that scene makes me maybe question that a bit. But it's yeah. probably far fetched. So I don't know, but that's what she's claiming happened. Sure. Um, so then after all that, they bring her in, even post um hospital visit. And at this point, they had already searched her car as well. Oh, okay. And in her car, they found a post-it note. And I'll have to describe this as best as I can because there's not a clear picture of it. You can only see it based on their interrogation room and what they showed her there, like the images of the interrogation room. Because what the officers did, what the detectives did, is that they blew these images up to where, and they said this was a psychological trick, that they wanted to put this evidence as big and bold as they could in her face, where there's no denying it. And that she's just confronted with it. So they blew up the images of a post-it note that they found in her car in the glove box. Excuse me.
And sorry, I was burping and then I saw, I was like, we'll take a break. <laughs> no, you, you're good. I, I was, I was just telling him that he's fine with Cole down there. Cause I can mute myself when he starts kind of oh, squealing. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay. Where was I? Oh yeah. So the posted note was something that was written down and then scratched all hell. And so, for example, here, I have a post-it note here of a happy hour. And if I can find a pen that works, this is just to illustrate, but, you know, this yeah. says 5, oh. 5 p.m. happy hour. And it's just scratched out with another pen that works, I'm sure. Is what like trying to hide what's written underneath trying it. to hide it. Mm-hmm. And it was scratched hard. Right. But the detectives were able to see the letter still underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that it said the intersection of Bacchetti Road and Whitehall Road. Sure. Why do you have the intersection written down of where Sandra Cantu's body was found? Mm-hmm. And at first, her explanation was that because she was the one that found that note at the vigil with the intersection, that she was curious and she had written them down on a post-it note to go check it out herself if the police didn't do it. Gotcha. Which I'm like, I would do it. I was going to say, I can't say that I wouldn't have done that myself. Yeah. Uh, So that apart. They also had gone to her home and one of the first notebooks they checked was a matching notebook to the piece of paper that was found with the witness note saying Cantu locked in stolen suitcase thrown on Bacchetti and right. Whitehall Road. Right. Yeah. It was, you know, it's not a fingerprint, but. If the shoe fits, mm-hmm. if the piece of paper fits your notebook, yep. you might be damned. Totally. So now they're finally, they finally laid out their cards on the table. They're asking her if she wants to speak. And at first she says no. She asks for an attorney. And then eventually she comes back and says that she is ready to speak with them. And she tells them that on that day that Sandra disappeared, she had a suitcase ready to go somewhere or she had it out and that her and her daughter were playing hide and seek and that Sandra, unbeknownst to her, had gotten into that suitcase and that I don't remember right if she said she went to um still the church but she said that or the suitcase was in the car it gets all muddy here I guess when you're lying you don't keep your shit straight but sure somehow she said she came back she realized that Sandra was in the suitcase and she freaked the fuck out okay I don't believe that for a second so gonna go back a little bit to what they found on Sandra's autopsy okay she had some abrasions all over her body Mm-hmm. Um, she had a cut on her upper lip, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and she showed signs of impact near her genitalia. 
but no human DNA in that area. So it was kind of odd to them. Yeah. Right. Right. (sighs) And then they finally figured out that Melissa had a history of hurting herself. Okay. So like cutting, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, She also might've been bipolar and schizophrenic. Okay. She was accused of drugging another man a couple months before. And I don't know what the, I don't know what the motive was on this. Sure. Um, He actually, when he, he came over and I think he told her, she told him he was pregnant and maybe he didn't believe her or something like that. Okay. Um, he eventually blacked out and had a crash in a McDonald's parking lot because she had put whatever she had put in his drink. So he woke up in jail. Oh my God. Yeah. And then they came to find out that another girl at the trailer park, which I don't know how this didn't come out during canvassing, Mm -hmm. but had been over at their house. And when she got home, this girl remains unnamed, but when she got back home, the mom realized that the kid was acting really weird. So she took her to the hospital and they told her that she was full of benzodiazepine. So like Xanax. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And of course she said the only house she's been at is Melissa's house. And Melissa explained it out off as she must've gotten into my medicine cabinet Mm-hmm. It was another girl around the age of Sandra's age, like seven or eight years old. Yeah. And so there was no charges filed or anything because it was, he said, she said there was no clear evidence that she would have drugged the school. And at this point, there's no history of it. Right. So there was nothing done about that. Sure. Um, and there's a history of her faking injuries. Um, Obviously. A broken leg. Okay. We even use the catfish favorite of cancer. Mm-hmm. She feigned many pregnancies. She was accused of stalking, but there was no evidence to prove it, so there was no charges. Sure. And this is how a lot of friends and family cut them cut her out from her life, from their life, because she was. She was a that type of person. Liar. Yeah. yeah. I would just do these things over and over. And I can't imagine how you don't sever ties when you do shit like that. For sure. <sighs> so come to find out, she is a, she was a Sunday school teacher. She had gone to the Sunday school that day that Sandra had gone missing. Mm-hmm. But Sandra was in the suitcase with her, or at least in the car with her. When she went to the Sunday school. And that is also, they did Blumenau tests and they did find some love evidence. Ultimately, Sandra passed away from asphyxiation. Right. Okay. But they also did find a rolling pin that came back with DNA of Sandra. Oh my gosh. 
So that's unfortunately the instrument they believe caused blunt force trauma on little Sandra. Um, yeah, to the genitalia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So do they know that Sandra was with her when she went to, um, the church that day because the coroner could tell how long she had been deceased for? Not only that, um, but they saw, so they recovered a couple of videos in this case. None of them okay. are signed, sealed, delivered. Mm-hmm. But they recovered a video from a neighbor a couple of doors down where you could quite literally see Sandra skipping and jumping and dancing and swinging her arms, being a cute little girl. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden being called the opposite direction and off a of camera. Mm-hmm. So that would have been towards Melissa's house. You don't see any cars coming in and going just because there's so many entrances to a community like that, right? Mm-hmm. But then you they did get timestamps from, not videos, I'm sorry, timestamps from the church because she had to use a key card to get in and out. And there is about a 30 or 40 minute window where she had gone missing. Gotcha. Okay. And that is when they believe she went and go, went and dumped the body. Yeah. But um, there's no video of if Sandra was in the backseat drugged. So mm-hmm. Sandra's body, sorry, the toxicology report, she came back that she came, she was full of Xanax as well. Gosh. So she had to use Xanax to drug her. Yeah. To make her drowsy, make her sleepy. Mm-hmm. And do, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard with pathological liars. Is it just attention that she wanted? I'm not sure. Right. Uh, but it's hard just because I, I don't know what her ultimate goal was. Because, because sorry to rewind, you said that Melissa had a daughter, right? Yes. Around that is the a same question age. that I could not get answered as much as I looked for while I was doing this case. I could not mm-hmm. figure out if her daughter was at home or not. Right, because her claim is that Sandra and her daughter were playing hide and seek. Right. Yeah, and that's the part of her story uh, just from the jump that leaves me with questions is it's like, why were you the one to discover her in the suitcase if her and your daughter were playing and they were playing hide and seek and Sandra got stuck in the suitcase? I would think that your daughter would be the one coming to you being like, mommy, Mommy, I can't get her out. Mm -hmm. Or... You, you know, whatever. Um, gosh, how could you do that to another child, period? But then also when you have one around, around the same this age. image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and what, and, and what boggles my mind is, and I was telling Kara this, I was like, I don't think I've covered a case or at least I can't remember if I did or not, but I can't remember mm-hmm. a case where it's a grown ass female adult because Melissa is 28 at this time. Sure. That sexually assaulted another little girl. Right. That is so rare. It's super rare for the um, person assaulting to be a female, but then also right. female on female. Right. To narrow that scope down even further. Right. So many things that I'm yeah. just like, they just get, you know, it starts getting smaller and smaller the more you go on. Totally. 
And so eventually she, in her trial, she did plead guilty mm-hmm. and she ended up with a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm, I mean, I'm glad she confessed. I don't. And did they ever try to like, did the defense ever try to like play the insanity card with all of her like history of? I No, I don't think so. Um, I don't know if that she was ever actually diagnosed or if she was um, self-diagnosed. Mentally, right. Right. Yeah. So this is a very, very weird case. Um, it is super weird, especially since, um, it was so close to Mitzi. And as you started talking about it, I, at first I was thinking that it was going to be the same person, but we know that he went to jail right after right. Mitzi you know, escaped and mm-hmm. was able to identify the guy. Um, wow. That's so wild. And that's so sad. Yeah. And she is totally off her rocker for trying to insert herself from the beginning, because let, let's just say in a scenario that she had been innocent, like you would have known that your bag that was stolen was a suitcase. And then you found a note that said a suitcase on the intersection of whatever, whatever you being that person would connect those dots for the police and be like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if it's my suitcase that was taken. That was right used, you know? So it's not even like she, from what I understand, even came forward to offer an explanation of that. She just wanted to be involved and somehow think she was going to get away with it. I don't know. And, and I'm not saying oh. she could have. Um, and, th- and this is one of the things. So just so you guys know, as I'm driving and as I'm researching these cases, my poor wife gets a lot of these questions. That I have. Totally. But I'm like, it's an Eddie Bauer suitcase. These are very common. They're not, you know, I get it that they've been able to track down shoes by how many were made, the size and where they were sold sometimes. Like there's has been cases like that. But an Eddie Bauer suitcase that you could buy at anywhere, at Ross, at TJ Maxx, at Marshalls, at Home Goods, like you Mm -hmm. Target, I'm sure. Like Eddie Bauer is a very common brand. Totally. And this is just a black one. And they're not registered. They're not serial numbered. Had she not, okay, not, again, uh, these are not tips on how to get away with murder, but. Right. Had she, she not even brought up anything about the suitcase. Totally. How would they have known it was her? It never would have. She, it sounds to me like she wanted to. She wanted that Peter that line. Yeah. And just to have that adrenaline rush of, mm-hmm. are they going to catch me? Right. Are they not going to catch me? I'm right. going to dangle this carrot. Are they going to figure out whole interrogation time? Because mm-hmm. she was, she was holding her own and had answers for everything and mm-hmm. was kind of just playing with the detectives. They already had the cards and knew what was going to how you know, they knew ultimately how the whole conversation is going to go. And they were letting her dig herself in a hole. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, she tried yeah, she tried everything that they probably teach you in any criminology class ever about how to conduct an interrogation. 
Um, she was inserting herself in a way that it was just like, I'm just a neighbor trying to help. And right. <sighs> oh my God. But gosh. she did too much. Too yeah. much. She did too much. But I mean, luckily she, I think it would have, I mean, obviously they would have found her regardless, right? Because luckily they had this bi yearly clean right. scheduled already. So they would have found her regardless. Now, had they would they have been able to connect it back to her? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then especially I with also, the female when they right. were looking for a male. Sure. I wonder if she knew that that cleaning was coming up. I don't know. Or if it was just like. You know what? She might not have known because she had only been living with her grandparents for at least, I think, just a year or going on a year or something like that. So she might not have known the upcoming schedule unless someone told her. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's super interesting and a good good follow-up to the Mitzi one for sure. (sighs) Yeah. I know. As uh, soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, maybe I should cover that too. Just mm-hmm. to connect those dots. But no, yeah, that was great. All of this coming out and imagine helping, trying to find this girl and hoping for a good outcome as far as Mitzi was concerned. Right. And then having all of this come out and she's found dead. There's no possibility of her coming back to her family. I'm sure it was heartbreaking for her. Oh, a hundred percent. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. great case, great follow up. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't as yeah. happy of an ending as Mitzi. Right. I don't think. Oh I mean, Mitzi's case is also rare in her own right. It's very. Oh rare. yeah, totally. All right. Well. Until next time. Until next time. Um, Follow us on the social medias. I know we've been talking a lot about five-star reviews. um, So we would love it if you have the the time to go on and write a review and give us the five stars. It really helps us um, branch out and reach more listeners and to keep up a good reputation with all of our fans. Um, And yeah, I think that's all that we have for today. Yep. Cool. All right. Don't be a stranger, guys. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello. Let me 